Welcome to Dorks on Sports podcast about four dorks talking about sports. My dorky panelists joining me here as always, Curtis Eastwood. Curtis, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Yeah. Alana, how's it going over there? Doing all right. I picked my uh, favorite moment from Futurama. Yeah, I like that. You got this game is Zoidberg yelling, your music's bad and you shouldn't feel bad. And I feel like that's kind of a little bit of how I feel about DJ Dallas right now. (laughs) We'll we'll talk about that, but that was just a weird play all around. Millie, how's it going over there? Uh, It's going great. Thanks. Yeah. How's the, uh, how's the, see, I have to ask you about your, your fantasy life because I'm terrible at fantasy football. (laughs) And so I don't do it anymore. And I just live my fantasy football life vicariously through you. Well, I am, I am here to tell you that this week you're feeling pretty good. All right. After, uh, after two losses last week, this week, we got two wins. Um, Congratulations. One, yeah, one was a pillow fight, but the other one was a sound beating. So that felt good. Did you have the 49er defense? I, no, no, I didn't. <laughs> you needed the 49er defense. And what's funny is uh, I was chided because I had them week one and I dropped them because I didn't want to play against Seattle. I, I try mm-hmm. not to, whenever possible, I avoid rooting against the Seahawks in lieu of no, fantasy like fans. wins but um in retrospect that was a mistake but i won anyway so see it, it worked out fine um but i am in yet again this year a guillotine league and for this one it's three weeks before we chop the first head so it's a com- combination of points for three weeks mm. and uh i i i'm not i'm not doing great not doing great i uh, had a lot of a lot of hurt players and when you have um whenever we have 16 teams, you, if somebody goes down and there's really not a good replacement, you know, yeah. you're just randomly throwing darts. So it's a little scary. I'm in like 12 out of 16 right there. So I need a good mm. week out of my guillotine league, but things are all right. Things are all right. We're figuring it out. Um, you know, we'll see what happens this week with some of these guys. Yeah. Who, 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 who are some of your best guys? Um, well, I've got, um, I've got Patrick Mahomes on one team, but my, my pat on the back to myself is definitely Jalen Hurts. Oh, yes. nice. Yeah. yeah. Jalen's my Jaylen, boy. He's, he's Jaylen my guy. Hurts looked really good. I, I, and I in, ride with, with Jalen. Yeah. In, in, in a trash setup in the NFC West, Jalen and, uh, and the Eagles might, might, might be rising up into the cream. I, I think uh, um, I, I, I mean I shit endlessly over the 49ers the you know last week, and um, when they played Seattle on Sunday they looked pretty legit. Uh, the Seahawks couldn't run the ball. Um, the Seahawks couldn't defend the run. Uh, it just seemed like they were getting bullied in every phase of that game. Uh, the only points they can put up on the board was uh, a blocked um, field goal for a touchdown, which admittedly was pretty fun, but that was about the only exciting play out of the Seahawks in that game. Uh, Trey Lance uh, went out and Jimmy G came in. And honestly, I 
think that saved the 49ers season. And I see them as a favorite in the NFC with Jimmy G behind center. But Curtis, mm-hmm. what did you see in that game? Why can't the Seahawks do anything? And is this just a case of, um, well, that's what happens when a team like the Seattle Seahawks plays a legit contender like the San Francisco 49ers? Yeah. Um, God, I got a lot of thoughts on that. My biggest... Um, my biggest feeling the next day uh, when I was sitting down and writing up my blog piece was that that was as far removed from Pete Carroll football. Yeah. I think I've seen them play since probably 2010, 2011. Yeah. I mean, even in 2011, they were sort of playing that Pete Carroll football. They, yes. they, 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 they couldn't run the ball and they couldn't stop the run and um, they were calling um, a lot of short, you know, dink and dunk passes um, from Gino. Not the, the the one, the few shots that they took down, the one tremendous shot they took down field on the flea flicker, flicker uh, to DK uh, got yeah, called, called back. back on a weird new sort of kind of penalty thing about how the you know blockers are charging off, you know in a run block sort of way is that new i thought that that was apparently uh, it's new apparently it's it's because i've seen i've seen that flag many times i feel like yeah well i i was i was talking to i was talking to a friend uh today and he was he had heard on the radio that there was some sort of new ruling in that that was just done within the last you know a few weeks or so so it wasn't like it was yeah. ticky tack is what it was, it was super ticky oh, yeah. i don't i totally it disagree it wasn't ticky tack yeah. i but it was but it, within the context of the rule he was seven yards downfield and yeah. the rule is you can't be more than one yard downfield so like it within the context of the rule it, yeah. i agree that it, it didn't affect the play but like neither did any of the uh, uh dpis that mm-hmm. we got called for um mm-hmm. like so like yeah like i thought those were more impactful ultimately um because they were all drive extenders yeah. but that particular one i he was way out way outside of his his lane operating in this like no man's land you could see it on the on the replay so i i thought that that flag was entirely deserved and to it me, really to good me a learning like he was on a man drive blocking yeah. him that's what i thought he had blown yeah. through him so yeah. easily that by yeah. the time the throw happened, he was just running like, like that, five yards downfield. Yeah, totally. He's a rookie. totally. But that's 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 neither here nor there. I mean, the I, the biggest takeaway from this game was not that play or even right. the 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 crazy wildcat thing that they did down there. It was the fact which was just ridiculous that they could not stop the 49ers on the ground. Um <clears throat> Uh, at the beginning of the game, and they mm-hmm. couldn't stop them at the end of the game when it mattered, um, and they couldn't get a run game going. So um, you're just not going to win a lot of ball games if you don't have a marquee quarterback who can, you know, pull you out of a tough jam. And you know, I mean, I I don't want to slam on you know Geno Smith or anything, but he's not that guy. You know, no, he's not so that guy. He needs to be. He needs to be supported by um by a more committed. I mean, they only ran the ball. I think it was. I can't. I, I'm not gonna. 
I, I heard it on the radio. I think it was like, I think Penny got like six carries and Walker got four. Yeah, that's ridiculous. That's 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 nuts. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's just it's just, that's that's not that's not winning football at all. Yeah. And so. You know, I mean, I'm just gonna. I, maybe it's good to get blown out like this yeah. early by a by a bitter division opponent to get that one flushed down the toilet, so that they can, you know, they can just get back to the fundamentals. And it sounds like from Pete Carroll that they want to, you know, they want to air it out down the field more. Which, which that translates to me as they've got to push the ball down the field to set up the pass because right now defenses are going to um, sell out on the run. And if you're just going to dink and dunk, they're going to jam those short patterns and it's all just going to get bugged up right at the line of scrimmage. So like Gino's got to play, you know, bigger time NFL football, you know, hitting it downfield um, to, uh, to be able to set up that run they actually got to throw yeah. to stop the run it, it, this is a criticism that i had of this team this time last season which is i don't see an identity in any phase of the game i don't mm-hmm. see what they're trying to do on defense mm-hmm. i don't see what they're trying to do on offense i i thought i saw it in the first two drives of that broncos game where mm-hmm. um it looked like you know, that Ram style McVay offense with, you know, um, a lot of misdirection and getting the ball out quickly and getting mm-hmm. downfield. None of these like bubble screens to DK Metcalf on the line of scrimmage that makes no sense to me. Yeah. Um, and, and, and up tempo, keeping the defense off balance. Mm-hmm. And then we completely got away from that. Um, yeah. I, and I, I don't know why we're not running it. And even in that Broncos game, when Penny got off a couple long runs, I didn't quite understand what the identity in the run game was either. Um, And I'm seeing that a little bit in the defense as well. Um, I don't know if these are because we have a lot of rookies on the team and maybe they are missing assignments. Um, But right now I see a team that doesn't know what it wants to do. Um, Yeah. I think it's, 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 it's in a sort of, it's, it's in a transitioning phase. I mean, it's a pretty dramatic, shift to go from a traditional 4-3 defense into a 3-4 where you're just spread out further you know Mm -hmm. we have some pretty exciting players uh Nwosu is doing yeah really really good uh who has experience in that defense yeah and Mm -hmm. is is having some but Daryl Taylor obviously seems pretty lost at this point yeah yeah yeah, yeah. go ahead I just think, I mean, I, as, as the person who was uh, the doomsayer on this game, there were a couple of things that I thought were great that really stood out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, one, of course, being DJ my pocket. Dallas throwing a pass in the end zone. Mm-mm-mm-mm. We're talking about positives, positives. Um, one was, of course, Pocket Locket, who, you know mm-hmm. what, when you need to get out of a jam, you figure out where Lockett is and and he had like 106 yards or something he did yeah I mean he had a great game right because he is that guy and I mean it's it's really unfortunate that DK's that that reception that he made on that play that got called back was absolutely phenomenal (laughs) and I do think that 
there's evidence that we, we can we can maybe try to do some deeper stuff here um mm-hmm. but and that gino Lockett has the accuracy great. gino's then, got the accuracy in the arm to go downfield yeah, like sure. yeah there was one play that it's just stuck in my mind and i don't know who from the 49ers it was but suddenly there's this gap and there's al woods just alone yeah and you see this 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 little runner here he comes the ball and he just sort of stopped for a second because you could like the fear <laughs> in his eyes it was like oh shit <laughs> every time the camera man. went to al woods he looked like <laughs> a man among boys he was so huge he did yeah. and and the blocked field goal was that was a lot of fun that was I mean, a lot of there fun. goes michael yeah. jackson there's these great <laughs> there it is there's these great little <laughs> moments in that game that i think are seeds um and and yeah there's there's a there was a lot of of not good and where were these moves that we had last week and where were the tight ends like just yeah yeah it's, Harold um, made it sound like it was play calling that it was that they they just didn't that they kept things too conservative to protect the um, rookie tackles against the Nick Bosa's and all that sort of stuff. So that's what he chalked it up as. Mm. They just they did not challenge that defense enough, well, which is I think is a fair point. You know? we'll see what and what were you practicing when... all week? I mean, what were you preparing for? Just because they played in the rain and you couldn't see them well enough? They, they were good defense last year. Like, I don't... Yeah, these are fair questions to ask. They came out They came out against the, you know, the Broncos the week before in a similar sort of, you know, I mean, kind of quick pass, get it out quickly sort of thing like that. I just think I just think the 49er defense was, was ready for it. And I think they had more want to, too. Like, 49ers lost an embarrassing yeah. game on the road to probably not a very good Chicago team. And I think that they wanted to I, – I just think they had more want to in that game. I think they wanted to block harder. I think they wanted to tackle harder. Um, you know, I mean, seeing Daryl Johnson get – or Daryl – Taylor getting washed away on back-to-back run plays and whiffing that one play where he he had Debo in the backfield dead to rights on that one. You remember that? And he just kind of lazily sort of arm tackled and Debo just Uh out of that and went 50 yards down the field. Like Uh that's 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 to me is like that's that's lack of God, I hate to say that it's lack of want to, but it just didn't seem like, you know, it didn't seem like Daryl Taylor was playing fierce on that play, like an Al Woods would be, or like, you know, an Encheno Nuoso. So I think that maybe, you know, again, this is if I'm looking at it, the glass half full thing, maybe this is a good one to just flush down the toilet and realize like, hey, these games aren't easy. These opponents aren't easy. And if we're going to play in this style of defense, like you've got to have that want to. You've got yeah. to. And, and Pete has come forth and said like, we we failed this test basically uh and we're going to make some adjustments and like knowing that makes it easier to look forward to what's next millie what were you going to say uh there just there were two things the two that i was like i wonder how much this matters i mean we learned week one that tyler lockett recognized all the hand signals that Mm -hmm. (laughs) that russell was using so that was a little edge right and and of course the Mm -hmm. one two 
And then, you know, we also, we lost Jamal Adams. And I think that there, you know, whether you think he is playing up to his abilities or not, he was, he's a big player and a big personality and an impact on that line. And I think that makes a difference too. Yeah. Well, and I think it's a big loss. I I will say I'm, I'm, I'm not one of these Jamal Adams critics. I don't think he was used the right way last year, but I, but by the looks of how that first, you know, series was against Denver when he almost picked that one ball and mm-hmm. back to Russ. It looks like he was in position, like he was making an impact on the field. He's a great yeah. player. I, one, I just, and one of his biggest impacts is as a, a leader. And, you know, for a young team, um, that's a big that loss. Like they're going to miss that energy uh, and that, you know, experience. Um, and I think this team is going to be tested. Um, you know, the, the leaders are going to have to step up um, and, you know, we'll find out who those guys are. Um, they get an easier matchup with Atlanta coming to Seattle. Um, and so I think we're going to see, hopefully we'll see some improvements. Um, I think the 49ers are just like in a, in a class that Seattle just isn't in yet. And we saw what that is. Um, one thing I'm looking forward to is Sean Alexander, uh, who was one of my favorite players in the Holmgren era. Um, Sean Alexander will be inducted into the uh, Seahawks Ring of Honor on October 16th when the Cardinals come to town. Um, and so, you know, now last year you had Matt Hasselbeck and Mike Holmgren, uh, you know, inducted into the Seahawks uh, Ring of Honor. And so, it got me thinking uh, a little bit about what who the next generation of Ring of Honor guys are going to be in five, seven, ten years. Who are we going to see uh, being inducted into the Ring of Honor? We have a, a ton of them that we can choose from, from that, you know, Legion of Boom era in 2012, 13, 14, 15. Um, but I just kind of wanted to, you know, who who is it? Who, who's going in? I, I think, you know, we, we can say the... The, uh, the obvious ones are going to be Russell Wilson, probably, right? Marshawn Lynch is going to be going in. Bobby Wagner is going to be going in, right? Pete Carroll is going to be going into that ring of honor. But who are some of the bubble guys? Uh, you know, that's, that's kind of who I'm thinking of. Like, who are some of the bubble guys that are going to be going into the ring of honor? I think, uh, I think some of the pe- people that we think might be bubble guys because we think of them as bubble or not hall of famers because i think that there's a different level between ring of honor and hall of fame certainly um are are going to be yeah, like i mean sean alexander will never make the hall of fame but right he's going right to ring of honor. yeah um but like cliff is a really good example there right like mm-hmm. we i don't think people think of his him as an absolute ring of honor guy but the work that he's been doing can done and continue to do around the seahawks for the media stuff and being engaged and in that building every day uh, during the season. Like, I think that that's really meaningful in terms of whether or not we consider him a ring of honor guy. And I think that the same is true for Doug who stuck around Seattle. I think, I think he's a for surefire ring of honor guy, just based on what he's done for the city. But I also think KJ is there too. I, I think we're going to face some like, tough decisions around that i mean not that we have any influence on the decision but we're gonna have to expand that ring of honor quite a bit i think that yeah. we have to induct like probably eight people 
from, from that, that era. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, for me, it's, it's basically everybody but Earl. Um, and I think that, I think that the, the, when, when you leave, when your last game with this team is flipping off the coach. It's flipping off your yeah. coach. <laughs> and then also when you kind of like, and I, I, I recognize that there are extenuating circumstances in this in circumstance, but like his, like the last two years of his career were an absolute tire fire in a way that I think he might've torpedoed his own hall of fame candidacy. um, Unfortunately. And, and I think, I think that there are probably, I don't mean, I don't want to speculate, but I think that anytime you see a professional NFL athlete going through that, it's hard not to go concussions, um, CTE, like it's, it's really hard not to step there because like, they all have CTE um, and it impacts certain people in certain ways. So all of that is to say, I think that there are some really tremendous athletes and tremendous people from that team. I do want to, I do want to mention that kind of looking at the whole course of people that could go in the only uh, lifelong Seahawks that we have uh, that would be coming up would be Doug potentially lock it which is a few years down the line um and who's the other person cam and cam that's it like sherm earl bobby not his fault kj not his fault um russ you know uh they all played for other teams uh and so it's and and cliff came here uh after playing for detroit and bennett came here and bennett played all over um, but it's, it's, I think, I think that there's just the, there's a lot of reason to celebrate that era, um, when thinking about how they're going to represent us into the future. Uh, and the fact that they're all kind of in-house right now is really exciting and tremendous. I think so too. I love that, uh, they're all in-house, including Cliff Averill, who was on the sideline, um, in the season opener. Um, well, he I, works for the team. He, yeah. he does pregame stuff and he has you know yeah. yeah he's he he's around all the time and i that i think that that's a big part of the reason why i think he's gonna get in yeah i i, I thought i i thought about this because you know i was thinking about some of the seahawks that defined that holmgren era and like who else would go into the ring of honor you got matt hasselbeck and you know walter uh, jones alexander and and then i was like lofa to tupu you know marcus trufant and walter jones well, who Jones is in there already. Yeah, uh, yeah. But you know, Robbie Tobeck and you know, some of these guys who who define that Holmgren era, but I have a hard time with it in ways that I don't with Cam Chancellor or KJ Wright. And there was, I think, something really special about that Pete Carroll team where those mm. those players like bled Seahawks in ways that I don't know if I saw from other teams. What do you think, Millie? Well, I, you know, I was just looking at the list because one of one of my questions, like, well, who is who is in the Ring of Honor yeah. for the Seahawks? Um, and it's Cortez short. Kennedy, Largent there's, Kennedy, um, Jones. There's only 14 players Green. in the Ring of Honor. So when we start throwing there's out 14. all of these names, yeah, they all sound legit. But when I look at how I'm guessing, you know, how few people actually get this honor. 
like, yeah, I'm starting to wonder what's the criteria and, and, and what are the limitations? Because <laughs> there's a lot of people you just named and they all legitimately have a place in the history. And yeah. especially as somebody who's not like up on the, especially older Seahawk history, you know, I don't know who some of these players are. Mm-hmm. are Frank, I don't know Jacob Green and Pete Gross. Oh my God, Jacob Green was amazing. And Pete Pete Gross he was, was a radio. He was, he was by far and away like the best uh, pass rusher Seattle ever had as a franchise. And- I think it's interesting though, right? Like we've never really had a team that that defined an era that was almost a dynasty. I mean, I guess you can say that like Legion of Boom era early tens was a dynasty, even though we only, you know, won one championship. But, you know, I think of that team, like the Cowboys probably think of their dynasty team in the Mm -hmm. 90s and the San Francisco 49ers think of their dynasty team in the late eighties, where you just have that many great players on the team. Yeah. But I'm looking at this list. It's like 14 people. One's a radio announcer, two are head coaches and one is Paul Allen. Yeah. yeah. Player wise, it's not an honor. That- but we didn't have success prior to 2005. So we've recently seen Asselbeck go in, Walter Jones go in, and now Sean Alexander go in. And I would argue that Tatupu is maybe the only other one from that core group that would, would probably make it that's in. That's what I would. That's what I would think. He but played. But his career was so short that it sort of feels like that's very fringy for me. True. Like yeah. I would. That's I legit. That a lot. Does John Schneider I'm, get in? I think John Schneider John gets Snyder in. John Schneider and Pete Carroll will probably go in together. Yeah. yeah. Joined the but then, I mean, we move forward and we move into this, the, our generational team. And yeah. that's our first generational team. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that there are eight players that I'm thinking about putting in, I think that's legit. I think you have to acknowledge it. Uh, it, it can still be a meaningful space. It's not like we're retiring all their numbers. Uh, although, you know, there might be reason to t- retire somebody's number in there. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I'm guessing that the person they probably cut is Doug. But like, if you cut Doug, like all that work he does for the community and continues to do for the community and the fact that he's an undrafted uh, UDFA yeah. Uh, and the work that he put in to get there and the and pride, his entire career in Seattle and played his entire career in Seattle. And really in my mind on the offensive, I, I know that like cam is the heart of the team, but I also thought that Doug was uh, to, to a large oh, yeah. degree. Sure. Um, just Marshawn, how he played. Um, yeah. And Marshawn was, cam? yeah. Yeah. I think, I think Marshawn's in for definitively yeah. um, as well. Yeah. So I just, I think, I think sometimes you have to make space for the idea that something is special. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've been circling to back to the fact that it's taken this long for Sean Alexander to get into the ring of honor. And um, Sean Alexander was a league MVP. Yeah. He like that's a, a huge um, accomplishment. Name another mm-hmm. Seahawk that was ever a league MVP. Yeah, Russell Wishing. There's, there's not one. Like he's the only one that ever that ever has ever grabbed. And it's it, it's taken him 20 years almost. And I he mean, was a running back half. who got league MVP, like know, during a passing era. It was, yeah. I mean, it was rare. It was super rare. So I kind of feel like like 
Alexander's been due for like a number of years. So when I see this, you know, which I agree is a very legitimate long list of about eight, you know, Seahawks from uh, the Super Bowl team that are deserving. I just think it's going to be a long time before. I mean, for me, I mean, we should be putting Marshawn in the same year we're putting Sean Alexander in. Um, because but I, he only I, retired two years ago. I think there's a big difference there, right? Yeah, but I just to me, it's just like it's just so. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, you just mentioned the whole like retiring numbers and stuff. I get really weirded out when I see a 24 on a current Seahawks player. Yeah. I don't know why it doesn't bother me when I see Doug's number or Cam's, Cam's. number or another number. But when I see 24, I'm just kind of like, could you just please not have him wear that number? <laughs> but yeah, we yeah. all sort of hang on to, you know, our faves i guess but yeah yeah well it'll be fun i'm super happy for sean alexander and i hope he gets all the love that he's due um i think he's gotten a bad rap from seahawks fans over the years and uh he doesn't deserve it he does deserve to go into the ring of honor uh so we got atlanta coming to town i have to be honest with you guys i i've been trying to think of what my prediction will be for this game and i have no idea how this game is going to go. I think Atlanta is a weird wild card team and I just don't have my finger on their pulse. Um uh so Millie before we get started how did we do last week? Oh you all did horribly. <laughs> <laughs> um the Seahawks lost. You all said they would win. I said they would lose. So what was the final score? It was like 28 to 7? 27 to 7. 7 7. 27 to 7. Oof. That was yeah. Um, and our offense didn't score that. Uh, no, that was special teams. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it, if Alana had, had swapped her scores, <laughs> she, would have been oh. she had a much wider uh, range between the two teams the rest of us thought it would be relatively close but um who wants to yeah. who wants to take the first crack at this these atlanta predictions i'm going to the game so i'm going to say <laughs> the you're going to win what's the what's the score uh i'm going to say we're going to win um you know gino's going to air it out we're gonna win. We're gonna we're gonna win twenty seven twenty four. Wow. Okay. It's gonna come down to a field goal, but we'll we'll pull it out. Yeah, Alana, what do you got? I think that we're gonna score another special teams touchdown. I think that we're gonna score three offensive touchdowns. I think we're gonna click kick a field goal. I think it's we're gonna have thirty one. It's gonna be a surprise. I think we're gonna be a team that wins a lot at home and not a lot on the road. Sure. Um, I think Atlanta sucks whole. They're one of the like four crappy teams we have on our schedule this year. I'm going to say 31-17. Wow. Millie, what do you got? Well, once again, I, I don't have the Seahawks winning. No, this is, this but is, why? Who does, who does, who does Atlanta have? 
So here's the thing, and this is where sometimes because of my involvement in fantasy, my, mm-hmm. my view on certain players is a little different. And my fear, um, the Seahawks historically do horribly against tight ends. And Kyle Pitts was projected to be one of the best tight ends this season, and he has not had his breakout game yet. And I, considering how we cover tight ends, I think this is his breakout game. And I think Kyle Pitts is going to be the death of the Seahawks in week three. Mm. And I think the Hawks lose 27-20. I would agree with you if anyone other than Marcus Mariota was throwing him in the ball because that guy sucks. (laughs) Yeah. The, I hope you're Atlanta right. Atlanta has been like in the game, so they they played. They played. They played. They played the Rams pretty good, but the Rams got like skunked by the Bills. So I can't tell if like from yes. that match over the weekend, if that was if that was a good Rams team showing up, or if that's just the fact that the Rams actually do suck. And a right. suck ass team. This is what I'm saying. And like the first like, game Atlanta played was against yet. New Orleans. And I don't know, is New Orleans a bad team or a good team? I yeah. I, I don't know yet. It's and none they of got us Marcus know. Mariota we, we, behind we center. I don't believe in this guy. Now. I don't know. Um, I think the only good team, the only I think that the Bills are an historically good team this year. I agree. I think that the Bills oh, are gonna have the the best offensive season of all time uh they are i mean most points scored uh they're gonna break whatever that record is they are unbelievable and they got the defense to match it they just demolished tennessee on monday they and and tennessee is not a you know not a joke they've got derrick henry um Right, yeah, and they've got they've good receivers. Made Stafford look foolish, and they've made Tannehill look foolish. And yeah, you can say what you. And will those are two like those quarterbacks, but those are those are two seasoned like playoff caliber quarterbacks. Playoff yeah. caliber quarterbacks that they made. I I think if this were on the road, this would be a team that this Seahawks team this early in the season would drop. I think the fact that Atlanta is coming to Seattle. Um, bodes well. I think this is going to be a close game. I'm saying 23-20 Seahawks. All right, Homers. I think uh, I think uh, I think Gino's going to be able to move the ball uh, a bit in this one, and I think the defense is actually going to be pretty okay. Uh, but they're going to give up some some dumb big plays uh, a couple times, and that'll get this team in the game. They got to play um, that Boye Mape better. His uh, he has, mm-hmm. I mean, he stepped in for Taylor and uh, looked like a starting uh, edge rusher to me. <laughs> I like him. I, I say, you know, this is a season to just give all those rooks some experience and yeah, trial by fire. Um. Let's move on to some Mariners. Mariners, unfortunately, uh, yesterday they whooped the crap out of the Angels, but then uh, lost to the A's four to one, I think is what the final score was. And uh, all four of those runs came in one inning, which just really sucked. Um, This Mariners team is beat up right now Julio didn't play last week for back spasms, some back mm-hmm. injury. Um, 
Eugenio Suarez jammed a finger and got put on a 10-day uh, injury designation. And then uh, our big dumper, Cal Raleigh, is out as well. And I don't know how long that is. But those were our three power hitters. <laughs> like that Plus was a little one- Santana. And Santana, but if you're talking about like act like the number of home runs, that was mm-hmm. one, two, three. That was mm-hmm. you know, you know, um, Julio's back uh, didn't look great today, but that's what happens when you know a player comes back from injury. Um, I don't. I'm not saying it's time to panic. Uh, I think mm-hmm. it's a virtual lock, even if the C, even if the Mariners end up going under 500 the rest of the way there's no way Baltimore can catch up to this. The Mariners are going into the playoffs and I just want to reassure the Mariners fans who are running around like chickens with their head cut off saying the sky is falling because the Mariners have lost like four games in a week. Relax. It's fine. The Mariners are going to the playoffs, but that was a, you know, the Mariners live and die by their power hitting. Like that's kind of been uh, their, um, uh, the way they won their games, right? It's 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 dominant pitching, it's great fielding, and then it's two or three really well placed home runs in the game that kind of get you all your points. Uh, the Mariners are not the team that gets a lot of um, hits and runs, and you know get, gets their points that way. Um, so on when they played the Angels yesterday, it it was, it looked good to me that some guys were stepping up. Ty France finally mm-hmm, mm-hmm. getting some hits. Uh, JP wasn't hitting home runs, but he was, uh, he was getting on base and then Santana was hitting some dingers. And I thought, all right, maybe these guys, uh, but then they, they, they disappeared today. And I don't like, is it time to hit the panic button a little bit? If we're good, if we're not, not about like not making the playoffs, but if we're going into October and we're, we're missing some of these clutch guys like Suarez and Cal Raleigh have been like one multiple games for the Mariners, you know, late innings when we needed them the most. Um, where do the Mariners go from here? You know, if we end up losing Suarez for maybe even like the first series of the playoffs, are we going to be okay? And who steps up to take his place? Lana, what do you think? I think that um, my gut here is that I'm not worried. Um, I think that all things considered, the uh, third wildcard slot is actually the most preferable Agreed. because uh, you get to play Cleveland as opposed to Toronto or Tampa in Toronto or Tampa. Uh, and if you win, you get to go to New York as opposed to going to Houston. So, like, having a little gamesmanship in that regard. Like, don't get me wrong. I personally would rather them win out and take that three game series here. I think that's better for Seattle, but maybe for this team, it's actually, it'd be better to like travel to Cleveland. And, and uh, I don't think the, the Gino thing really blows. Um, He was playing so well too. Yeah. He was on a rhythm. Yeah. But uh, I don't think we lose his bat regardless. I think his bat will come back soon. Um, I I just think we lose him on the field. Um, Yeah. Because and some of this, 
I think might be service just playing it safe. Yeah. Um, I think that's certainly the case with Julio. Like if we were really in the wild card hunt, I think Julio probably would have played. But the fact mm-hmm. that we're so far ahead of Baltimore mm-hmm. uh, means that we can afford to kind of like sit some guys when we need to. And I just think the main thing for me is like get into the playoffs. Like mm-hmm. we've waited 21 years. Yeah. Like I so I don't care. Like lose exactly. all the rest of your games. Okay. Like get into the playoffs. I yeah. don't care. That's that's how I feel. Uh, and speaking to your point, that third wild card spot. Now I'm a guy. I'm like, don't play the seeding. Right, right. Win as much as he was. So like, you know, that's what we should do. But you know, there's a part of me that kind of wants that third wild card spot because of the 13 games that we played total uh, versus Cleveland and Yankees, we won 10 of them. Mm-hmm. And that's just like, that's a really good matchup. Whereas, I mean, we swept the Jays, but man, that's been, they've been a hard team to, to play for I don't mm-hmm. know, 10 years. Um, also, if we have to go into Toronto, um, we may or may not have guys who cannot travel with that team because of their COVID. I, I just saw a headline that they're dropping the COVID requirement. Oh, wow. Uh, fascinating okay. so that's uh yeah. that makes it interesting robbie ray just toasted to himself yeah and now it was just a headline so there might be more to it but the headline was basically about dropping the covid and that Ro- and then the next line was robbie ray and then i didn't click it because yeah. paywalls <laughs> but i'm pretty sure that's what the article is saying well regardless i'm still super happy about this team even if we kind of like limp into the playoffs I think um, it's a near certainty we're going to hit 90 wins, if not more. I still think that we can get to 92 wins. And this is a team that will drop a few and then just go on a crazy, like, seven-win streak. So, um, you know, go Mariners. This is really exciting, and uh, I can't wait to watch baseball in October. For sure. I just wanted to let you know, too, that uh, so Cal Raleigh, it's a thumb, and it's day-to-day. So... <laughs> Well, that's not so bad. That's not so bad. It sounds like it's that's another one where, like, if we were really in the hunt, right? Like, if we were really battling, he might be able to play, and this could be a case of just service playing it safe. Um, I don't know. Play it we'll safe. Play, play it safe. safe. And this is we're also a next man up team. That's what they've been all season long. Uh, so. Go ahead. Stop and losing to Oakland, though. Like, stop <laughs> losing and the fucking Angels. God. And the Angels. Yeah. Ugh. Uh, at least we eliminated Houston at some point like I, I do like ago. that our yeah they our, did our win against the Angels yesterday is what officially eliminated them from the postseason so you know I'll take that that felt good yeah that did feel good go Ems this is go really in. fun <laughs> um let's get into some Dorgan you want to get into some Dorgan yeah yeah let's do it let's dork uh, let's dork who wants to start Who's really excited to dork out about something? Uh, <laughs> um, I, I started uh, Discovery like oh shit about yeah. two weeks ago, a week and a half ago, and I'm, I'm I've got like four episodes left, so I'm <laughs> caught up. Oh my god! Um, so you've already you've got to the part with the with the trans trill uh, and yeah the, yeah yeah and the the gay daddies who God uh, who I was crying so much so much <laughs> like. Just like all these relationships are just so well earned, and the the Saru 
um, Michael relationship is one of genuinely one of the best relationships on all of TV because Doug Jones is it's, so good. Doug Jones is oh, and they they were like they were like, hey Doug, we got you a present. It's Bill Irwin, and he's your fake son. And it was just like, <laughs> watching this, and I was like, please, more. There was a moment where um, Bill Irwin, as uh, Sakal, is that right? Um, uh, turned and looked at uh, Saru, and it was just like a type of face, but it was all of the acting in the world. Uh, it was brilliant. It was an absolutely brilliant reaction because Bill Irwin is um, amazing and a Seattleite. Um, yeah, that's right. Like he is just a tremendous actor, and the fact that they got him was was great. So I've been I've been thrilled uh, watching it. Um, uh, I am so much. I've I've always said that I'm more interested in Star Trek, despite never really watching it, than I am Star Wars. I would consider myself more of a Trekkie than a Star Wars person. Um, and this just firms that up for me. Um, and, you know, having watched the Orville and loved the Orville, especially the, the third season, the third season of the Orville is spectacular. Um, and sharing that with Svea. And now I'm like, hey, maybe you'd like Discovery, too. And we watched mm -hmm. the first episode. She's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be into this. So, like, she's entering that phase in her life where she's like liking sci-fi. And we, we saw a thing about Quantum Leap and she's like, I want to try that, too. And so it's like, I'm just like, yeah, all this geeky sci-fi stuff that's all about how humanity's great. Like, I'm all for it. So that I'm I'm geeking on that, and I geeked on a League of Their Own too, um, very quickly. So I'm not going to talk about that, but you should watch a League of Their Own, especially if you're queer. I I can't wait till you watch Strange New Worlds because I think yeah, I'm that's nice. that one too. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I I was I was planning on geeking out. I I finally started Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Oh yeah, I was yeah. Really looking forward to it. I like the Assassin's Creed franchise. I like Vikings, and I and I sat down and I haven't played a long video game in a while, and I was really excited. And that game is trash. Yeah, it is trash. <laughs> Don't play it. It's a bad game. The mechanics are bad. The acting is bad. It is a trash game, and I'm angry. I spent money on it. I'm sorry. I agree with you. Like I went. I did. I did the Egypt one and then the Greek one and then Which was terrific. The Greek both one both of them terrific. were terrific. Yeah. And then I did the Valhalla and I got two hours into it and I was That's like, about well, what I got? Yeah. And I, I was like, why am I playing this? This game sucks. It's trash. So I'm not going to dork out on that one. That's what I was planning on. But I've been reading this new fantasy series by Robin Hobb who is a local uh, uh, writer. And she wrote a, a fantasy series. It's a 16 book series that she started writing in the 90s called, um, it's, it's broken up into several trilogies. And the first one is called the Farseer Trilogy. Um, and I am just in love with it. I am in love with this series that I haven't been in love with in a long, 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 long time. And um, it, follows uh it it follows um one person uh from his point of view it's written in first person uh which i normally don't care for but the way this one is written uh it's it's just so wonderful and it is packed it is just packed with plot 
And uh, so, you know, there's a lot of like this high fantasy where it's these thick books and it's a lot of um, just a lot of world building and not a lot happens, you know, Game of Thrones and like setting up the chess pieces. This is not like that. This is just like, it is plot. It is packed from first page to last page and can't put it down. And it is full of uh, just these really great relationships and, and, uh, and it's really great. Uh, and uh, I can't recommend it highly enough. It's called the Farseer Trilogy. It starts, the first book is called Assassin's Apprentice. Um, and uh, the world is um, very interesting and mysteries galore. And I can't wait to read the next, you know, 13 books. Um, so fuck you, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Fuck you. I was really <laughs> looking forward to playing with you. The new one's supposed to change it all. So we'll, we'll, we'll look forward to that. We'll play together. Uh, excellent. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking out about? <clears throat> yeah, there's been a lot of stuff I've been watching. Um, uh, I've, I, I've been getting into the, uh, to the, to the Lord of the Rings show on the, uh, on, on Amazon, Amazon Prime. Prime. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, the, uh, uh, you know, I mean, the cinematography of it, uh, is terrific. Um, you know, there's, uh, there's more, uh, colorblind casting this time around in middle earth, which is, uh, uh, different and refreshing from the movies uh and by the way um, just speaking on that uh, uh if anybody is on the twitters uh go look up neil gaiman's tweets because neil gaiman just like battled the trolls on some of the colorblind casting in that amazon uh in the amazon prime show and it's fantastic <laughs> so what's that all about i don't know anything about that neil gaiman oh, there's is, a, whole is a writer thing. wrote sandman and um he just spent a whole day battling trolls on Twitter who were mad because some hobbits are black. There are white supremacists out yeah. there who are like, oh, there were no black people, black hobbits during that time, just like there are no black mermaids. But well, I just, dirty. yeah, that's that's the dumbest shit on the planet. I don't right. even give it space. Um, I just, I, I, for me, I'm in a, and, and I'll just say this, that like, I was a fan of the films that came out 20 years ago, the first two, especially the fourth one, or the third one, which might as well have been the fourth one because it was so fucking long. Uh, <laughs> you know, it just kind of like, by the time I got like halfway through the Return of the King movie, I was just kind of like, I turned to the person I was with at the time. And I was just like, if I have to hear one more melodramatic soliloquy from Samwise uh, uh, speaking to Frodo and stuff, I'm going to fucking throw my popcorn. You know, this film... Yeah, anyhow, uh, I like those films, um, but I think I actually kind of like this whole prequel television show better. The orcs are like, are, are legitimately terrifying on this TV show. It kind of, it kind of plays like a horror movie in oh, moments. I, I mean, the way they build the tension and hmm. stuff, it's just like, was way more than what I thought Peter Jackson did in the film. So I'm kind of digging it, you know. I've actually I'm been not, watching... I'm not a, I'm not a token person so I don't know you know I'm not having read like all you know his books and everything I, I'm not one of those people that's gonna yell and scream about it but I like it yeah I'm not either and I've actually been watching the Hobbit trilogy because mm -hmm. I never I know I saw the Hobbit in the theater and then I never saw the other two and mm -hmm. so I've been slowly working my way <laughs> Same here. in yeah. anticipation of watching the tv series and 
watching them almost like little chapters um, mm-hmm. instead of at their full length. And I'm I'm really enjoying this story now beyond the first, you know, actual Hobbit book, which is ingrained in my childhood from a cartoon, right? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that cartoon's so yeah. good. It's we so know it good. so well, but the story of of Smog and now the Battle of the Five Armies and all this and the gold and the, the jewel and all this I didn't I don't know the story, so I'm really enjoying working my way through it, and I'm I'm doing it in anticipation of watching that TV show. So that's awesome, Curtis. I'm more excited now than ever. Yeah, yeah, I've been really hooked into it. There's lots of good TV. It's just ridiculous good TV on right mm-hmm. now. I also am almost all the way caught up on res- Reservation Dogs, too. I know that's something that both oh. Daniel, you, and Curtis are watching. Yeah, that's a great show. Yeah, I love that. I, I, can, I, I loved it a lot. The last one I watched was the, the Cheese episode, and uh, I loved it. We're, um, still in season one, but I'll get Billy, there. Billy, what are you dorking out about? You know, um, it's funny because you did kind of a hate dork. I have a hate dork to do. Yeah, um, I love hate dorks. Yeah, this I'm, is the I'm hate a, dork episode. You know, I really like to warn people against wasting their time on, <laughs> on certain popular, especially like popular shows. And and I don't know how, I don't know that it stayed in the top 10 on Netflix still, but Devlin, Ohio is just the worst trash series and i think it's at least eight episodes so i'm seriously saving you a day of your life um it should have been a lifetime movie it is basically um you know emily deschanel who who i love Uh from bones um is this uh somewhat traumatized adult who um takes in a a young woman at the from the hospital she's a doctor and uh ends up taking her into her home she's escaped from this cult the cult's gonna get her and it's so bad (laughs) and i'll tell you what the ending is just gonna make you angry so don't watch it it's bad it's 45 percent on rotten tomatoes just so we all have that in our in our lives so this Yikes. is not a black mass situation where apparently I'm just wrong. Uh, people no. agree with me on this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's horrible. Don't watch it. I am very much racing through because I have never seen it. Schitt's Creek, and um, oh, I, I promised book. myself it would be my COVID show. So when COVID hit, that was the deal. It is leaving Netflix on October third. So I'm getting through it as quickly as I can, which is not difficult because it is just charming and it is, it is interesting. I I always heard it gets better. What I didn't understand about how it gets better is the fact that you're going to cry every episode out of some sort of warm, fuzzy joy. Um, Not just that, like it gets better because these characters are no longer quite so shallow. Um, they kind of had to exist in that shallowness to become who they are yeah. in the, in the later seasons. Um, it's just a, it's just a joy and mm-hmm. they, they live in your head. It's just it. a really brilliant show. And, and I'm, I'm glad I'm finally uh, on the Moira train. Rose has a, has a little home in my heart. Patrick has a home in my heart. Oh Yeah. I loved. I I I hold that show up with uh, the Good Place and Ted Lasso as just mm-hmm. these really heartwarming and yet also biting 
commentary. Um, Really smart comedies. Yeah. Unfortunate news for all of us is that it sounds like Ted Lasso season three is a total dumpster fire right now. Um, In the shooting? In in the shooting. They they started shooting in, well, they turned in scripts in January and then Sudeikis went home and was like, these are all garbage and rewrote them all. And then they started shooting in March, but then they've been... um, filming and refilming and refilming a whole lot uh, and warner brothers is letting no one out of their contracts so they're not super like interested in like doing much um the actors uh uh and <clears throat> excuse me uh warner brothers is really pissed off because the shooting is taking a lot longer and it's gone way over budget and we have no idea when the next uh season is going to start so my guess that is actually that it's really not going to be really good yeah, it just sounds like there's a whole lot of discord. And I think I think one thing that's been revealed during the um, Don't Worry Baby or whatever that uh, Olivia Wilde movie is, is that Jason Zudeikis is kind of a petty bitch. Um, uh, and so maybe we got to like, <laughs> there might, we might have to put our expectations in the, this will come sometime and I don't know what it's going to look like. Yeah. Isn't that the guy who plays Coach Beard is like he's like the right he's like, isn't he the chief writer on that isn't that his he's one of the co create I mean, it was it was co created by him and Ted Sudeikis uh, and uh, Bill Lawrence who um, was the guy who made Scrubs okay yeah so and Clone High for those who, uh, deep well, cuts whether it's uh, good or terrible I'm in I'll watch well, I'm oh watch sure it. oh I'll watch it absolutely I mean I'll I'm, I'll watch even if it's a train wreck, I'm watching that. I mean, a yeah. Ted Lasso train wreck actually kind of sounds like I, I wouldn't mind it. Yeah, <laughs> I'll take it. All right. Well, good. Hey, uh, if you're listening to this show and you like it, you know, you can find us on Spotify and Apple, and we're now on Stitcher. If you know what Stitcher is, I didn't last week, but we're on it now. Nice. Uh, wherever else you get your podcasts and uh, if you can't find us wherever you get your podcasts just send us a message and we'll get it where you like to get your podcasts <laughs> we're also on the YouTubes if you want to see our pretty faces and some of our backgrounds here uh, and while you're at it check out Curtis's blog 12thlife.com he's always got some great things to say especially during the Seahawks season once again my name is Daniel for Alana Curtis Millie the rest of the 12 saying goodbye Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.